You are listening to Shadow Self, the podcast, and I'm your host, Tim Bearden, owner and mental wellness specialist at Shadow Mind Mental Wellness. When we think of the Enneagram, we need to think of it as an algorithm to personality. If our minds are computers, then our personality is the software, and all software changes over time. At Shadow Mind, we help you understand how to get back to your base programming and become a healthier you. We offer a range of coaching, including Enneagram, Relationship, and Mindfulness. We want to shine a light into the shadows of your life and help you not only improve yourself, but also your relationship with others. Learn more at www.yourshadowmind.com. On today's episode of Shadow Self, I sit down with Enneagram expert and creator of the tri-type, Catherine Favre. Catherine and I talk about tri-types, typing, online dating, and more. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you being here. Sorry for the technical difficulties we had getting started, but um, we're working through them and I appreciate your patience. So just to kind of start us off, I just want you to let our viewers and listeners know a little bit more about you and um, where where you started really becoming interested in the Enneagram and a little bit about your story on the tri-type. Oh, well, I first learned about the Enneagram about 35 years ago. At the time, I was working with um, people as a consultant, where I was working with their internal and external expressions of themselves for personal empowerment. And I had already studied many systems. I was a manager for many years. And I learned about microexpressions, body language, NLP, um, faciology. I'd actually learned the beginning of proto-analysis, which is from Oscar Chazo, and many other systems, anything that helped with personality, MBTI. And so when I found the Enneagram, I was just immediately interested because it was the first one that focused on not how we would go about doing something, but why we were doing it. And it was really life-changing for me. I felt touched and transformed, and I then began to avidly study, uh, study excuse me, the Enneagram and do everything I possibly could to learn as much, but there weren't books yet. So I had to rely on notes from different people from 1971 on and finding those notes was fairly easy in a way but there wasn't anything fully disseminated so around um, 1987 Don Riso came out with his book and the following January it was the end of 87 for um, Don Riso and January for Helen Palmer, their books came out. And then it became much easier to understand more what they were uh, thinking and with the, the nine types. And Helen's had the instincts, Don's did not, but they were both great books. And then I decided just to attend the St- Stanford conference and 1994 was the first one we ever had, and it was amazing to be with all the different teachers and with the teachers that wrote the very first book in 1984, the white book. And I just knew that I wanted to know everything I could about it, and 
I had been sort of hypothesizing things about the types just the way Don had. It took him 12 years to decide what he was going to say and do. And I really understood that that took a lot of focus, but I was more the type of personality to ask people. So I met many people as I was certifying with three different schools, with Helen and David, Don and Russ, and Ted and Kathy. And then I had a wonderful opportunity to attend a longer intensive with Claudio Naranjo. After 24 years, he came back and he was teaching. It was great because we didn't have the original creators or authors. Everyone was trying to make sense of the Enneagram without the original information or the more depth on the inf <coughs> more depth on the information. So it was really exciting and I saw some errors and he shared what errors were um, unfortunately went through the uh, Catholic pipeline and around the world and nothing flat. So like integration, disintegration, it was misunderstood how to use it and apply it. So I wanted to know all about that. And so I started beginning my own research studies. And in the last 25 years, I've done 22. And every time I ask about the instincts, I ask about tri-type, and I guess you wanted me to say about that in my uh, learning process, I found that people were using three Enneagram types, not just one, and that they were in a stacking order, order of dominance, so you still have a lead type, but that you use all three centers. And if you know the Enneagram symbol for that maps movement in the universe, that's the shape we usually uh, use when we discuss the Enneagram. It's the law of zero, the law of three, and the law of seven coming together. And it means that two heart types and two head types don't have access to all three centers. And that just didn't make sense to me. And I saw that people in real time, real life, with qualitative interviews and with questionnaires still used all three centers. And so I was really excited about that. And I was trying to talk to everyone about it, but no one knew what I was talking about. And I even had three certifications at that time, but it just wasn't common knowledge. But the, the really interesting piece is that later, about a year and a half later, I discovered that Achazo, the, you know, the founder of the Enneagram of Personality, 50 years ago, person who put the personality types with the symbol and talked about passions and fixations and all the things that we've come to know are Enneagram. And he later, after the original dissemination of the Enneagram, added trifix, which was a type in each center. So I thought, wow, I've just found what he found. And I should just call it trifix so that I don't confuse people. And there still were, weren't people that understood trifix because the people that studied with Achazo uh, just stayed with Achazo. They didn't study with other teachers. But I had studied with all of them. So then I knew where things came from. 
I knew who created what and when, and it really helped fill in gaps, and I could go on forever, but tri-type is what came into being when I was approached by the Arikans, which were the uh, foundation that was built based on Echazo's work, when they thanked me so much for giving him attribution um, and the way I'd always honored him, but that they felt I had popularized it more on the internet than he had because he didn't use it. And it was a time of change. And they asked me how I would feel about changing the name. I said, oh, no problem. I, I used to call it three types and tri-center. I'll just go back to that. And they said, no, we've really thought about it. And Echazo only does the fixations. That's why it's tri-fix. And they said, but you use the whole type and the, way, the dynamics of the type. What if you called it tri-type? And then you should uh, register it. And then if I was going to surrender the name to them, which of course I did immediately, then they could uh, trademark Trifix. So it all worked out beautifully because everything that had been written had been written by me. But people thought it came from Achazo, but he was not writing. He was not disseminating that kind of information. So when we're talking about the tri-type, and I, I was thinking about this after our coaching session the other night, and it's something that I've been really curious about. Since we have a main type in each of the three centers, um, one is obviously our most predominant type and then secondary and tertiary. So does that also mean that we deal with the wings of each of those original types? Yes, if something's true for the basic, um, uh, any basic, aspect of the Enneagram, it's always true for every other aspect of the Enneagram. So you have your type and two wings. You have three instincts. You have your type and two lines of connection. Everything falls into a pattern of three. Um, Echazo's word was trilectic. He coined that term to think in terms of the, the active force, the uh, opposing force and the neutralizing force. And in every case, if it's not a pattern of three, it doesn't work with the Enneagram. Everything has to be able to be taken down to three, multiples of three. Now you are the developer of the tri-type or one of them. So I'm, I'm sure you're going to uh, have I, a- I created, I created tri-type. You're the okay, so you are the sole creator of the tri type. For some reason, right. I thought you and um, Echazo were no, he he totally separate from one another. We started teaching the same principle, and see, that's what's beautiful about the Enneagram is people can come in and they'll see a pattern or they'll see, see something and they'll say, Does anybody know about this? and a lot of times people will send them to me because I've done so much uh, research on the subject and someone else found it too. And it's very meaningful, like the Enneagram of process, you know, going around the circle. I found that too. Then I went to Naranjo's training. He talked about it. So generally, if you study something long enough, you're going to see secondary patterns 
tertiary patterns. And that's what happened. We both saw that all the types needed access to all three centers. And that's the way um, Gurdjieff had used the Enneagram, that you used all three centers. Now, Chasso calls them triads, but yeah. So tri-type came into being when I changed it over after about 11 years or something like that, when they wanted to, when Erika wanted to uh, trademark the term. Okay. All right. Sorry. I uh, got a little confused there. So thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> so, but it was um, a good thing because then it showed my research is separate from the fact that you didn't write anything. Right. And that's fantastic. That's that's really cool. You're, that is so neat, the, the way this, the Enneagram can work. Um, so do you see the tri-type then as the evolution of the Enneagram? Um, you know, we all work on the main Enneagram, one Enneagram number right now and the concept of one with two wings and uh, two lines and working within that. So as we move and learn more about personality and about the Enneagram, do you see tri-type as being really the next step in the more accurate way of um, typing an individual? Without, without a doubt. Like you, if you don't use tri-type, you're missing chunks of the personality's defense system that you have to try and explain. And if you can see the dominant type and all three, it isn't just that you have these three um, patterns. Now, Naranjo later added subtypes, but Achazo thought of the original three centers. He didn't call them centers, he called them triads. And they were instinctual triads. And they were answering a basic question that we have in the human condition. And one is, you know, what we'd call the gut center or self-preservation even because that's complicated too because it's advanced. Naranjo took the Echazo's basic centers and to create subtypes, he just made those centers even more primitive and what they would be like in the most primitive level. And Achazo, on the other hand, added trifix. So they both saw the need because there were aspects of the personality defense strategy that hadn't been named without doing that. So I just found what Achazo found, and I just took it further. But yes, if you know it, I originally taught it that you need to know the three, you're stacking, uh, and how close, like, do you have two really close and then one really lower, or do you have a stair step? Because they oscillate. It's not like we stop and say, oh, I'm going to move to five. Now I'm going to move to seven. It's literally happening on a continuous basis. There is a stacking order. And you need to find out which one is running the show. And sometimes that can be confusing, especially for sixes and nines, because they, 
identify with another type. So that my main journey in the last five years, and I'll continue to do so, is to help sixes find that they're sixes early on in the, in the journey. But you can see it. And that's what you did with me the other night. Um, we, I've been testing a type five and we worked through the tri-type and it turns out uh, I'm closer to a six. And <clears throat> excuse me, I've been doing a lot of reading on that. And I'm like, oh, well, all right. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can see the point. Okay, Catherine's right. Of course, Catherine's right. But um, I, I, I love that, that your heart is so open for people that really want to find their type that you you have such a passion and a calling for helping people um i think as coaches it's what we all want to do and yeah. so my podcast so far this uh this series we're doing relationships and so i wanted to kind of talk and pick your brain a little bit about it um on the communication and online dating um since you talk about body language and micro expressions and the way facial shapes, um, I remember watching your webinar and like the like a three will have like the square jaw, you know, the marine, the square head. Yep. Yeah. The more yeah. blocky, solid. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, so I was hoping that we might be able to discuss it a little bit and help our listeners who might be in the online dating world, like kind of pick out from um, a picture, maybe what someone's Enneagram type is, so they're not totally thrown off during communication. Because as you know, there are some that are more outspoken, there's some that are completely withdrawn, that a, like a five, for example, feels, appears very disconnected, detached emotionally, even if they may be invested, they're, they're, the way they communicate isn't going to look that way, right? So- um, They're be more held in pulled in. Mm -hmm. And um, with that in mind, I think it would help our listeners to understand just kind of a high level overview on what they should be looking at when they're looking at um, dating profiles as far as facial um, features and uh, language. Well, you know, I, it's fascinating to me because in probably the mid 90s, maybe earlier, I took my, what I learned about the word choices of the test. So yeah, what I didn't mention is my first test was based on a course I'd taken on how to interview people and learn the most with the least amount of time and a way in which people can't prepare they, unless they studied exactly what you do. But even then I would know because I created it. And when you've seen tens of thousands, they just, at least in my brain, they're cataloged in there. But I noticed these words, pictures, and phrases that I asked them to send um, that would exemplify the type. I was doing a presentation and I wanted to have a few pictures. Well, I got so many pictures, I had to create collages and you can see them at katherinefaber.com. And basically, it was kind of the gestalt, the archetype of the types, you know, the body language, the stance, being cool in a fluid way like the seven and being cool in the poised, cultivated way like the three and how each type does it. And so 
with the body language and the postures and the word choices and the attitudes and phrases, it was fascinating to me. So I decided to um, do a couple um, area codes for people that were dating, dating sites. And it was a very well-known dating site. They interviewed me for an article and I just got all the people that were in Chicago, Chicago proper, and I could quickly see who was on the dating sites by the words. And it's predominantly social sixes more than anyone else. There are all types, but the way they will language their, um, what do you call it when it's their page, their profile. profile is very important and in the early 90s people weren't paying others to write it for them they were just doing it you know out of their own innocence and it was phenomenal see it's mostly socials and they take pride in the fact that family's important to them and for the social instinct those of you who don't know they are focused on the others in their lives that they see as part of their extended family. It could be biological family, it could be family of like-minded individuals. But there are one of three ways you run this more primal defense strategy. And it can be with people or being on your own, just taking care of your own stuff and having um, time away, or, and you can have a lot of that stuff. Or you can say, like, if you're a five, I don't want that much stuff. It's too much to manage. But if you're an eight, self-pres eight, you might just have a whole storehouse of extra stuff for an emergency. And then there, the one that is um, wants twinning. They want to find their twin wherever they go, whatever they do. The person that matches them the most. The person they can be themselves with or at least more than others. So if you have that twinning instinct, you want to find the person that you have attunement with, where you can just talk about your experience. So let's say someone went to an Enneagram uh, intensive. Unconsciously, that self-preservation person would be looking for the most comfortable place to sit and want to know the basics about when meals are, what, how it works, logistics, so they can make sure their needs will be met. And the social will be wanting to check out who they perceive is popular or interesting, and they'll want to try to group with those people. And the sexuals that are the twinning energy, they're trying to find the one it's on the same wavelength and it's all unconscious and we're doing it wherever we go. So that research was my first uh, big body of research and it was phenomenal because then I got all the language. So if someone says they dress for comfort, there is a high probability that there's self-preservation. Now it was truer 30 years ago 
because all everyone's gotten more more we're always in comfortable stuff now we've just made especially in 2020 i'm i'm always in pajamas i don't know about you but yeah. i'm in soft hoodies yeah <laughs> but i'm not you know i'm not going out and being dressed the way i used to but even before 2020 i worked from home because i had an international clientele but yeah you still want to be comfortable so on top of that, though, I want that closeness. So I'm an eight, so I want to be able to speak my mind, um, share my truth, and be protective. And at the same time, I want closeness. And they don't go together, because eights want autonomy. And the instinct that wants that closeness is like, I can't, you can't do both at the same time. So generally, with the sexual aid, if you know anything about these variables, the sexual aid needs to have um, someone that they're close to that they can surrender the need for control, for it to be accurate, for it to be uh, the way the eight wants it. Because the eight really wants to give up control. Whereas but, the self-preservation eight is going to be really wanting to hold on to that control for for dear life. Their stuff, you know, whatever their their stuff. Self-preservation right. is like feels they have the right to what is mine. So eights are just comfortable, regardless of the instinct, feeling that they have a a right to what's theirs. Period. And don't touch my stuff. <laughs> Now, when you're looking at um, when you're looking at the, these profiles, um, you you were saying in the '90s you could really pick it up. So, what way do you see language has changed, and what should people be more mindful of now as far as looking for um, how an enneagram type would would describe themselves in a dating profile? Yeah. Well, so what was fascinating about the profile with this test that you can see under my picture. EnneagramTriTypeTest.com is I put in nine testing, uh, nine tests in one test. And what it does is it draws on what people will say about themselves, not what we say about the types. That's a different thing. But when the types are writing their own words and phrases, is where I learned so much, like learning the word tasteful for type four came from those questionnaires and that it was really important for them to be accomplished, not achieving go-getters like the three, but accomplished, elegant um, examples of the ideal with ideal circumstances. And we might know that with the way we were taught, but much of it was not known. When I started in 1985, it sure wasn't. And a lot was in the books, but it didn't even touch on what the types said about themselves. Because the first books were written by people that thought, you know, they worked with that paragraph and they filled it out to the best of their ability. And so it's certainly they were work. typing them in other words, where, what we something that we really like caution against now, they were all in about then. But I disagree. 
it what happened is that there's I would caution people against having someone that isn't qualified typing them. Okay. Just like anything else in life, you want to go to someone that has the actual experience and has done more than read a book or books. They've been exposed to people with their types and their instincts playing out and accurately typed. So I think people need guidance because we don't know what we don't know. We do not have a 360 degree understanding of ourselves. There are whole parts of who we are that we are not aware of. And it takes someone that you trust that can help you see it. And then you will see it. But a lot of people type on who they think they should be, who they want to be, who someone said they are. But the, that someone did not have training in proto-analysis from Achazo, did not have training in faciology, did not know microexpressions. So in all fairness, they would just say, figure it out yourself. Yeah. But what was negative, though, I will say, is there would be people that would be on message boards, on Facebook, that would be mean and tell people they weren't whatever type, they're this type. And I don't agree with that at all. I think someone should ask for the guidance. And you said something fascinating the other night um, in our coaching session that I, I've just kind of clung to, and that you said that the Enneagram, where other personalities are assessments are focused on behavior, the Enneagram is focused on motivations of the behavior. And I think that's a really important distinction. And um, when we're talking about online dating, and we want because we want to get our motivations out there too, right? We want to we want to make sure that people understand our under, we want understanding essentially. Yeah. And um, what would be some advice that you would give to someone filling out a dating profile? Um, you know, that had, let's say they had a tri type of uh, four, seven, eight. Um, that was the most recent one I remember you doing a panel on. So uh, if they were a four, seven, eight, how would they go about what would be their best way of describing themselves in a profile? Uh, that they're creative, fun loving compassionate, direct, to the point, adventurous, um, intellectual, and whatever the person's version of caring would be, it, it, can, it can vary a great deal. But that they're all of those types, but the most important thing is they like to learn and share what they've learned. That's why the messenger was the name that types were willing to accept all three types that was no easy feat <laughs> um so describing that in other words using what they know about themselves through the enneagram and the high side of their enneagram as to who they are like i teach kids that need to be able to interview and you're nine and you're coming into a business like charles schwab and everything's really uh, rigid and go, 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 very three-ish. 
and you you were the top of your class, so you were chosen. But then within six months, they want to re-educate you, and you didn't fit. And what happens is, and I had to do this for many people, because in Menlo Park, I'm very near Charles Schwab, and then they would just pay me to re-educate them, teach them about their type, and teach them how to look for a job or be hired for who they were. And I had to teach Charles Schwab, too, that every type can be intelligent. They're just going to do it in a different way. And so by teaching both sides of it, like, okay, the nine can be laid back, but that doesn't mean they're lazy. It means that they're waiting, they're listening to everybody else, they're good listeners, and then when they're asked, they'll give their opinion. But otherwise, they'll just think it. And that's what seemed like they weren't doing their job. But actually, if they were asked, they had incredible feedback. So teaching the nine to say it and teaching the business to uh, know how to ask for it so you get the best out of each type is phenomenal. And so in the dating, you'd want to do the same thing. You want to not say you're a go-getter when you're someone that can be very kicked back and enjoy the simple things in life and the outdoors and whatever you like but don't try to act like a three when you're not i'm i'm sorry this is live everyone this is uh, what's up what's up buddy okay thank you He's uh, updating me on his video game progress. (laughs) 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 Glad he's doing well. (laughs) Anyway, so like you said, like you don't want to say you're a go-getter when you're a very laid back person. Um, So what, back to being able to kind of understand what the kind of type would look like maybe not type them completely obviously since they're not experts but have a general idea enough um what would be a good strategy then when you read that type to engage with that type with uh, with any so we'll go with the four seven eight again for example so a good way to engage with them um if i'm looking at a profile of a four seven eight I would want to ask them what are the um, things they like to do that they wouldn't ordinarily put on a dating site. Because 478s have a very diverse, it's the creative type of each center. So they need creating as a way of life. Even if it's creating a test, it's it's artistic in a way, but you don't have to be a full-fledged artist, but an artistic eye. All fours have that. And people that have four in their tri-type have a way they like to see things, they, a sense of aesthetics. So compliment them on their sense of aesthetics. If there was an angle of a picture that they showed, something that lets them know you see them. But if you're going to talk, and then meet, of course, is different. And, um, and know that most of the people that are going to engage are the social sixes who want to be friendly. They want to be the fan. They want to show you pictures of all their friends. And 
their dog and their um, their family and family events. And they to engage with them would be to ask them more about their family because that's what means everything to them. And if if it's one child or 15 children or no children, you're an aunt or an uncle, it still touches the six to have people know their family. And the ones, you know, if there are, if when you meet the ones in person now, and if the one is a little upright and straightening things, it's not that they're being negatively judgmental. They're just doing the human judging that we do and appraising the person, which would be the person who saw them on Facebook. And it's very easy to feel like the one is looking down on you and finding you less than. But they're just in appraisal mode, like, like an eagle or a hawk. You know, it's like zeroing in. And they use language, you know, what is right, what is moral, what one should do. So if those things are important to you, that's a good match because ones work hard. They do what they say they'll do and they try to uphold the standards, whether it's their standards, their family standards, their company standards, their partner standards. It's all in upholding that and doing what a good person does. Whereas the two says, I'm a good person. I know how to handle this situation. In fact, I know more about you than you. I know what's good for you. And that's because I'm a fundamentally good person. So I can see what you need. I can get what you need. I have an abundance of goodwill. And I'm a two, I'm going to be welcoming. I'm probably going to be initiating the conversation because the two feels very at ease moving towards people uh, more than any other type. Whereas the three, I mean, the two will be talking about the things that they do that are admirable. And they're going to set it up in a way that you're going to think, wow, this is a really good person. And they are. And then the three, on the other hand, is going to list their accomplishments. Because they think people want to know if someone has achieved a lot and has success. So the three is motivated by doing things at a, at a level that will ensure success. And they can be workaholics. So they kind of need to say up front, you know, they're a hard worker, um, tend to do, you know, I can be an entrepreneur with my own company. And, but when I'm not working hard, I'd love to share my life with someone that enjoys doing whatever's true for the three. Now the four, it's, it's all about the individuality and what, what do I need in the dating scenario? I need a one of a kind person. And more importantly, I need 
people that I would potentially date to see me as a one of a kind, a one off. To appeal to a four, you're saying have a picture of you in like a bright colored shirt with a very dark surrounding background, essentially. Like Something you want to be able to stand out. Yeah. Something that has a sense of aesthetics that would catch their eyes. Now, what's interesting is threes for years have had like shoes, belts, and watches be the symbol of success. And a gold watch was the biggest deal of that. And then there be, there are a lot more designer watches and there was more variety. But most threes want a watch everybody would recognize because then that proves the three has done a good job. They've done well to own that watch. So they're essentially the, the people that like go out and buy Prada and um, your expensive clothing, like your, your name, your name brand of name brands, right? And the most well-known name brands, because the four on the other hand, wants a watch that's more exclusive that, you know, is an antique and is beautiful and not everybody has it. See, if, if it's a Rolex, everybody has that. And threes like it because then everybody knows it's a good watch. But the four likes it to be something a little different, like not to know, like a good looking watch, but it's not common. So and, the four is a hipster is what I'm hearing. Yeah, they're more coffee talk. The And I don't mean the coffee talk like two mothers talk. I'm talking about people that go to a movie and then discuss it in their kind of artful, they have things from, they might dress like the 50s or the 60s. They have their own look. They create their own look. Now sevens can do that too. And sevens for sure are the hipsters because they're current, they're trendy, they're now. Uh, what makes them happy is the new and the changing and the novel. Whereas the four wants those things to become a more complete individual to have their persona more anchored whereas the seven could say yeah i used to like that stuff now i like this now i'm into um mid-century modern and so they move they move with the trends the fours move with the trends the the four or the sevens move with the trends the fours want us are really more like vintage or individualistic yeah, must be individualistic. And so obviously they're gonna naturally put a picture that makes them look individualistic. And that that's good and bad. It's good from the standpoint that people who like individuals, it will stand out. But people like sixes that wanna know that you can kinda go anywhere, uh, like to their family, <laughs> they want, to see a variety of clothes, knowing that you could fit in more places. So all these things are unconscious, but we can shape the, our site to match what we want most. And speak about the high side of our tri-type and the high side of our instinctual stacking and what happens when they come together. You know, the subtype where it's your instinctual type with your lead, Enneagram type creates a type unto itself.
and the same with the three types and the tri-type. It creates a very specific point of view. So we all get to be individuals still. We're not just narrowed down to nine people or 27 or 81. There are many variables all the way out. And what's so great about the Enneagram is you can look at it as a simple, meaningful tool, or you can study it for years and years and years and see more and more and more. Now, I've never been bored. In 35 years, never bored once. And because like, I was always learning something new. About right. And that's what I find so fascinating about the Enneagram is you said it very well, is that it can be very simplistic or it can be so complex that it can be, I consider it an algorithm for, for personality um, and how people conduct themselves and, and motivation and behavior. And um, I find it real fascinating that there's just endless amounts of things to still learn about something because it's only you told me the other night, 50 years old is fairly young as far as personality um, psychology goes, correct? Yes. In, in other words, the symbol dates back to antiquity, and we can certainly find it with Pythagoras. And then we find another symbol that's nine-pointed, because Enneagram just means nine-pointed graph. And there are really two Enneagrams. One which is the law of zero, three, and uh, seven, which is the one we're used to looking at. But there's also one that where every point connects to every other point. And so it's a nine-pointed star in that way. And going back to the uh, 1300, can't think right now, the actual date, there's work from a Ramon Lole where he gave personality elements to these nine types. And I, my theory, my hypothesis is that Chazo, being a seeker, came across that and wanted to put personality with the Enneagram symbol that Gurdjieff had kind of brought to the West <coughs> from the East. And just a hypothesis, but they could be found. And once the internet was more up and running and people put up more things, I could find all kinds of things that I could not find originally on the Enneagram. Because one of my uh, research projects was the history of the Enneagram. And I've just continued on with that because I think it's important for people to get all that they can get from the Enneagram and not be missing a key piece sure now um just a couple more questions and we'll wrap it up um so my first the first question i want to talk about is in the dating profiles again um we were we were talking a little bit about communication but we really want to understand um instincts too because that would be a, another key way of interacting with that person and so when you're looking at a pro dating profile and correct me if i'm wrong um, when I'm, when, for example, when I'm scrolling through, I'll see a lot of selfies um, or I'll see a lot of group pictures or I'll see like one with one other person. So when we're looking through these, pro these profiles, a lot of them will have like a mixture, but there will be some that will be more predominant than others in certain profiles. Is that an indication of what their sub instinctual subtype could be? 
Yeah, it can be. So if the person's, you know, talking about their, that you see a lot of selfies with a lot of different people, you've got probably a social type. Now, there could be an exception, but if they're talking about their family, and they're talking about the, what they're a fan of, you have a social six. And social six with the seven wing, because they have a very particular kind of persona. But if you look and the person has pictures like where they went to Europe, but there are no people in the pictures, it's just, you know, the beautiful picture, then you might have a self-press because they don't want to clutter pictures with people. They want to just see the beautiful architecture or what have you. And the, um, the sexual, the twinning instinct, you'll see them with people very close. It could be a friend, it could be a family member, but there, you see the closeness. It's markedly close. And you might even have to say, oh, is this the girlfriend or a friend? Because if they're close to someone, they're close. I mean, they're seeking closeness. So it's like procreation of wanting to be close enough to influence that person. And it's just um, something you can see. And if they talk about wanting to do things with just the two of you, rather than family, that's more commonly the sexual instinct as well. Cool. Um, I just find it crazy that a lot of the stuff that we used to do in person that we have to translate it now to online because yeah. um, we we can do these processes really quick, right? In person, like the brain just, they can, it can process the language and the body language and how everyone acts quickly. And we can make that assessment in less than three seconds. Whereas now we have to really dig into what these pictures and the meaning of them and the way they carry themselves. And um, as someone who understands the spiritual nature of, <clears throat> of the universe, wanted to talk to you a little bit about this because a friend of mine and I were talking we believe that through the through through cell phone dating you can still pick up on a person's energy um and kind of their their this a sense of them and who they are um like a feeling like the energy literally radiates to you is that something that you've found or is that something that um no uh, are we kind of off on this no, I, I think there are some people that really can read other people, and then there are those that can't. But it is something that can be taught, and we can learn it. Like, I wasn't just born reading micro-expressions. I mean, we all are because we looked at our parents. We needed to know whether we felt safe. But once I really studied micro-expressions, I then knew everybody's truer emotion. And we all disguise emotions. So we can learn. Yeah, we can learn if that person's open-minded, if, if they're anxious. Um, we won't know why they're doing what they're doing, but we will certainly see behaviors that could indicate certain things because people put into their 
dating site what they want people to see. So also what's not there is just as important as what is there. The negative space is a full space like a black hole. It, it's not empty. So when we're looking at dating profiles, we shouldn't just be looking at how they talk. We should be looking at what they're not saying. Is that what I'm hearing? Yep. That's fantastic. Wow, that's a good tip. I uh, yeah. I wouldn't have, like, it sounds very common sense, but I never would have just kind of thought of that on my own. Well, uh, it'll start, it shows up and you see patterns. So if too many things are highlighted about a um, category in a way, they light up. I like to do this, I like to travel, but do they really, or do they like to travel once a year for a weekend? You know, that could be very different than someone who wants to travel every weekend. And so we can see it by what they don't say. There aren't pictures supporting them traveling everywhere. Or they say they like to cook, but they don't have pictures of them cooking. It's like, do they really like to cook? Well, they uh, just kind of like to cook, yeah. yeah. Yeah, once in a while. That's very, very different. And we can, since we do have Zoom now, and we can kind of get to know people this way. Sorry, my fan just went on. Okay. Can you hear it? Is it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. to cool it off a little. So there's a lot we can do like this. We can see their expressions. Do they light up when you're talking about something that's important to you. Do they ask you questions about that? We're going to be in a more enjoyable um, relationship if the other person's interested and leans forward in the things that we find interesting. So there's a whole lot we can do. What we can't get is that 3D perspective. We have to take the risk and go meet them. So that, thank you so much. I mean, this has all been great information and I love the fact that you got to join us. So there's just one thing I'd like to do um, for those who are gonna be able to watch the video rather than the podcast as we wrap up, since we don't have a Q and A today. Um, I was hoping that you might be able to give our viewers a demonstration of um, picking up on body language and micro expression by picking me apart a little bit. I know you and I have already done it, so you're not gonna surprise me with anything, but I just kind of want them to kind of see how it's done. Um, would I mean, you like, like to do, do that? the inquiry? Want to do the oh, inquiry? Do the like one, when yeah. you fill out the questionnaire and I do the inquiry and then you reveal your expressions because it's what you're feeling emotionally? I mean that? I, 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 yeah, how, the, way, the, the, the same way we did the other night. So, yeah. Okay. So give me five words you would use to describe yourself to a total stranger. Not who you could be, should be want to be or have become the Tim that was there is a little boy that's there as a adolescent and is still there now. Okay. Uh, intelligent, mm -hmm. uh, funny, mm -hmm. uh, let's see. It's real harder when you put on the spot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's easier to uh, fill it out. Yeah. Uh, hardworking. Um, let's see, kind, mm -hmm. and loyal. Mm -hmm. 
And what is your greatest strength? Uh, like I told you, uh, deduction, being able to see patterns and, and deducing from patterns. And why is it your greatest strength? Uh, because it gives me the ability to look at a situation or any kind of situation and go, okay, I've seen this before. Where's this pattern coming in? Where was this catalog? What could be the end results here? And so it gives me the ability to understand what the end is as I'm working from the beginning. Excellent. And what's your greatest weakness? Uh, procrastination. <laughs> I procrastinate a lot. And it's usually just, it's everything. It's not just like little things, like even dishes. Like I'll put off the dishes, be like, no, I'll get to those in three days. Like essentially. Don't and then mean what, it that way, but it's always, I'll do what, it tomorrow. And what triggers you doing it like three days later? When I just finally can't take it anymore, when the clutters finally got to me, I'm like, okay, nope, I'm out of, I'm out of uh, cups. So I could either wash one cup and be okay, or I just run a whole dishwasher and I just end up running the whole dishwasher. Yeah. And how has procrastination hurt you in your life? Uh, a lot of times it puts me right at a deadline. Um, I'm a deadline person. I think it's more of survival instinct than a innate instinct for me um just i don't know uh as a journalist i was always on deadline so it was always easier for me to focus when i'm under the gun does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah it's a it's a whole field based on acting in the moment yeah and uh being able to articulate something in a meaningful way quickly rapidly not slow pace people don't do real well in journalism i love so i had this guy i used to work with at cerner he's such a good guy he's a he's a pastor out here in levensworth uh kansas and so nice but he is very slow and um uh was a good way of putting it not particular but intentional with the way he talks and the way he says things and it's we're total polar opposites it's it's interesting when i would go up to talk to him I'm like okay yep mm-hmm mm -hmm. oh, okay and then he would continue on after i got the answer because he would like to explain it and that was great because i'd like to understand it we're like can i fix it first and then we can talk <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's you know, communication is so important because it's it's the uh, the tempo that we speak in, it's the cadence, it's how um, long we can listen and how long we can speak. And some people need sound bites and to respond, and other people wait patiently, and then you, you think they're not going to say anything, and then when they start answering, they just keep talking you know what then you don't know when they're going to stop and there's everything in between and those are important things for dating too is understanding those differences and that it has nothing to do with intelligence or um capacities it's just different right. like some people are redheads and some people have brown hair it's just that simple it's like the, the Seinfeld, the close talkers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> yes, my father always had some funny stuff. So now, then I always ask, like, what's your definition of kind? Someone who treats others well, like with respect and and dignity, and you know, will do something for somebody else. Like, you know, you see the people on the corner; they'll give them. A, they're the people that'll give them just the dollar if they had it in their wallet and move on, mm -hmm. regardless of why. And what if you weren't kind? Just go the crazy idea, because I know you want to be kind and are kind, but just imagine that you couldn't be kind. What would I be instead? Is that what we're... However you want to go with it. I couldn't be kind. Like, so let me, let me make sure I understand the question. Were we trying to say, are we trying to get the opposite out of it? Like, what would I do in the opposite situation? Or are we trying to get, like, if you're not kind, what can you do instead? See, this is wonderful because you just clarified the way a six does. Six wants to know <laughs> the situation. And the way this questioning is set up is very deliberately ambiguous. So the six really won't wait. Do you mean like this or like this or like this? Just choose one of the ideas you had and answer. Okay. If, if I weren't kind, I'd be um, friendly. Okay. And if you couldn't be friendly? Um, direct. And if you couldn't be direct. It'd be kind of standoffish, just kind of in the background observing. And if you're standoffish? I'm just watching what's going on and trying to understand like the situation I'm in and, and how it's working. And, and you don't understand. I don't understand it. And you're stuck in it. I'm, I, it that'll frustrate me. That'll make me angry. Because I, well, I, not knowing drives me insane. Like, yeah. I, I always tell everyone it's the Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory when he's talking to Leonard about the itchy, the, the furry sweater that he makes him wear for a um, few days. He's like, the itch that you had on that, that's that. When I don't know something, it's an itch in the back of my head. It's just like that sweater it just drives me nuts until I figure it out. Right. And then what kind of person would you be if you didn't know and you were standoffish and you were frustrated. Kind of and lost. <laughs> lost. And, kind of lost. And if you were lost? Um, wow, you just made your point. Um, I would have to go talk to other people and kind of figure out where I'm at and who I'm at. And yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I so, so it reveals the defense strategy because Whatever we do really well, and being a kind person is an attribute. It's something that we would take pride in, that we do well. But if it's taken away from us and it's a strategy we can't use, then what's underneath that is a way in which we didn't know what to do. We weren't understood. We weren't appreciated. We weren't thought of as a person with some kind of merit that was some sort of value that was worthy of relationship or attention because that starts so young trying to earn the right to be considered so if we take that away and you 
have the ego do that. The superego says, oh, no, I'll do this. I'll be direct. Then I'll be, but if I, if I keep going, then the superego doesn't know what to do. And it starts revealing what your other egos think. And your other egos are not too happy about that. And the, the lead ego is going to go get the information the way it needs. And to for fix six, it. that's asking other people for safety and security. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's really cool. Uh, thank you, Catherine. Like, uh, thanks yeah. for the demonstration. And uh, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. For everyone that wants to learn more from Catherine, you can go to catherinefavre.com. It's uh, F-A-U-V-R-E and Catherine with a K. So um, do you have any last words? Uh, uh, well, I, that was a very uh, aggressive way of saying that. Do you have any final thoughts for <laughs> my podcast audience? <laughs> no, I just, um, if you take the test, it's my latest test, still in beta for me because I just have decided I want to put everything in there to help people that have trouble typing get their type. So even if you've been typed a certain way for many years, if you get special notices when you take the test, really pay attention to it because it's been programmed to detect patterns that the types use. And even if you come out with a different answer, if you have notices, pay attention to what it's saying. And it's not wrong. It's better than anything I've done before because I never paid someone to program in all those special features. Awesome. All right, Catherine. Well, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. You guys have a great afternoon and I uh, will talk to you all next week as we continue our series and relationships and where we pick up where we left off from when I had COVID and we'll get back to talking about the two and the communication style of the two. All right, Catherine, thank you so much. You guys have a great afternoon. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much to Catherine for joining us. For those of you who, who are interested in more of Catherine's work, visit www.catherinefauber.com. That's www.k-a-t-h-e-r-i-n-e-f-a-u-v as in Victor, r-e.com. You have been listening to Shadow Self, the podcast brought to you by Shadow Mind Mental Wellness. The journey to light up the shadows in your life starts at www.yourshadowmind.com.